Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. Everybody, welcome back to the Big 12 Country Podcast. I'm your host for the evening, Corey. It is August the 22nd, and this is your Iowa State Cyclones preview. Uh, at the table with us, we got Kendall. Hello. And we have Colin. Hello. And on the line, we have a guy that we brought in to do. He's our contributor for Iowa State. His name is Corey. Say hi, Corey. Hi, guys. Hi, how you doing? Good. Good. Um, uh, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. Trying to get all this stuff figured out for the show tonight. Uh, hoping you got a lot of uh, information to share with everybody. Hoping we can educate some people. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. Um, All right. We we brought Corey in what about two months ago? Something like that. Lord, it was. I can't even remember now. Long. I'm trying to remember. It's been. It may not quite have been two months ago. He's one of our newbies, I think. Yeah, he's one of our new guys. So we pushed the show to the back, trying to give him some more time to you know make sure he was comfortable with everything. Um, real quickly, uh, let everybody know where the the Cyclones handle. He operates our Cyclones handle on the website. Uh, the platform, if you guys have been following. So, uh, real quickly, let everybody know where that's at. The, uh, the Cyclones um, Twitter handle is Cyclones underscore B12C, yep. like everything else. Yep, that's it. That sounds good. You, Colin, you can verify that. I always just say, yeah. You, you forgot the main <laughs> thing, the at symbol. What oh, did I yeah. say? The at symbol. <laughs> no, you're right, man. That, that's it. <laughs> oh, come on. Colin, <laughs> Colin's just being a pain. Um, so yeah, that's where you can follow him at. Corey, you want to let everybody know uh, about your history of being a college football fan, and uh, you know maybe what attracted us to you, why you're here with us. I mean, there's not really much to say. Um, I grew up a college football fan. I got it from my dad and my grandpa. I grew up watching it, and I love it. I love football, and college football is my favorite. Um, I got drawn to you guys because I saw your tweets and I started following you guys, and. Uh, I saw you put that tweet out about needing writers for a couple of teams, so I uh, checked it out with you guys, and Colin ended up talking me into working for Iowa State. That sounds pretty good. That sounds about like what I remember. Um, I don't it's know. Fairly, Colin, fairly Colin, accurate description. Yeah, Colin took care, can can verify the rest of that. Once once I meet everybody, I'm just pushing them off on Colin. Don't worry about also, it. I'll just drop this real quick. If anybody else that's listening to this podcast as an Iowa State fan is interested in applying, we would still take another contributor for it. Yeah. Ideally, we K-Bear. Too. Yeah, definitely K-Bear. When you're listening, I'm still waiting on your application here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would ideally like to have two per team eventually. Right. If we could yeah, we've got a couple other teams like that. Yeah, still, there are a few teams we have. I would love there. some help. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, uh, and we're we're working on that eventually. Right. Oh, we're just finally happy to have <laughs> 10, yeah, one on covered. each team. Yeah, because that's been, I don't know, it's, it's there was a couple teams I didn't think we were ever going to get. So I'm glad we got to that point. Uh, I guess it just took time for us growing and people finding us. Um, with that, we will get into this Iowa State Cyclones preview. Um, real quickly, you know, just kind of a question for everybody. We can start this off with Kendall. Mm-hmm. Um, just real quickly, your impressions of the job Coach Campbell's done so far. Uh, you know, maybe maybe why there is kind of a, a ground movement. It feels like that people are starting to realize, I, well, <laughs> clearly Vegas and some of the other people aren't. But right. Why some people in the Big 12 are realizing that Iowa State is kind of making a move and, you know, maybe talk a little bit about the job he's done there. Yeah, well, I mean, 
I, I'm not sure yet if the Big 12 realizes what's going on in Iowa State. I think there's still a lot of people who look at them as just the name, Iowa State, and, and they have the idea that they're that they're that team that's kind of at the, at the bottom of the league for the last few years. They, they still have perception of them. But if you look at what they've – the talent they, they're starting to get and you look at, like, the receivers, how big they are and how strong they are, and, and then, uh, you know, you start adding parking at quarterback, all these things are going – they're happening this just this year. This team's going to be a lot better this year. I mean, we'll talk about it as we go along. But Matt Campbell has really stepped in and done a good job of recruiting, of finding guys to, to fit what he wants to do. And uh, the main thing is it seems like the players have got the belief. You know, mm-hmm. that's one thing when you come into a program to struggle for a long time is getting the players to believe that they can do this. And he just seems like that type of guy who can just, you know, like the perfect type coach. He can get you to do what he, whatever, you know, believe in whatever he says. So mm-hmm. I, I'm super impressed by this guy. The more and the more I see him, read him, hear him talk like I I'm so impressed by him he to me I don't think that Iowa State could have hired a better guy for what for what they have and we've all said a hundred times on the show Iowa State's fan base is probably the least recognized or you know accredited group of people they are so passionate if with, they start winning ball games you better look out because going to Ames is going to be hell and it's you know it already is <laughs> yeah. for a lot of times but you start adding winning to that that yeah. place is going to be an absolute zoo. It's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Colin, you got any opinions or thoughts on, you know, any signs you've seen from Coach Campbell make you believe he's doing the right job or the program's headed the right way? Yeah, I mean, just <laughs> the the fear in some of the opponents going up there. I mean, you see, you've seen it. There, I don't know how many close games they had last year where, you know, they were just a play here or there from winning the game. And to me, that's kind of a, a sign of where they've they've come from. I don't know a lot of what I'm trying to say here, but I think he's done a great job, and I think they're just at that cusp of where they need to figure out how to win yep. mm-hmm. instead of figuring out how to lose at the end. Yeah. Corey, I, Corey I mean, great, with, great you be, with you being on uh, Twitter and kind of interacting with the Iowa State account and everything, have you noticed, you know, or what have you noticed from the fans, or have you noticed kind of an uptick in the fans and the attention to the team or an excitedness about the team or anything like that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I would reiterate what Kendall said is that uh, Matt Campbell's doing a fantastic job. I don't know what it is about the guy, but I like him. I've bought in, and the players have too. He's talked about it for – this is the second year, and he's talked about it for the entire year, that they're finally having guys that are excited and pumped up about football season. They're coming in early and staying late and then working their butts off for this guy, and he's doing a great job. And I've seen – the an insane surge of excitement on Twitter, not just from Iowa State fans, but just from like a few around the Big Twelve. Is just some people are noticing it, and I'm excited about that. And little sidebar is that Iowa State's close to breaking a record of season tickets sold for this season, so people are recognizing what's going on. Yeah, I and to that. answer Colin's question, I believe it was five games that they lost by less than seven points last year. Yeah, see that's that's yeah. crazy. They're yeah. they're right at the cusp. Yeah. Yeah, they and that's definitely it's something we've talked about with other teams. Um, we talked about it with Texas. Uh, I think even Kansas to some degree. They have to learn how to win. They got to you know they got to develop that winning mentality to start winning some of those games. So um, you know that that's kind of the next step he's got to take with them. Um, you know, one thing we noticed, say with Kansas for instance, is just a willingness to play for BD to the end. That's kind of what we're seeing from Iowa State too. Yes. You know, you're seeing that the kids love the coach; they want to play for him. You know, it's one of those coaches you probably want to run through a wall for. So, 
Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think everything seems to be headed the right direction in this situation. The the, the, be, the best compliment I could give the guy is as a guy as a man who has three children. He's the type of guy I'd want my kid to play for. Yeah. You know, what I mean, there's certain coaches. Yeah, they may win, but you're like, man, I don't think I want my kid playing for him. Like he he's the type of guy I would want to send my kid to go play there. Just, yeah. Just because I, I I believe that that's the type of guy he is. So I I mean that's about the biggest compliment I can give him as far as you know from an outside source. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely seems to be getting things on the right track. Um, with that, we'll we'll get into this preview real quickly. Um, first and foremost, looking at the quarterback position, you know we you know we kind of went back and forth last year with Park, and um, I'll forgive me, I'm forgetting his name, the linebacker, Joe Lanning, uh, Lanning, yeah, Lanning. Uh, we went back and forth. We went back and forth with that whole that whole catastrophe last year. I don't know. Uh, some people didn't seem to mind it so much, and it actually shocked me. How many Iowa State fans didn't really seem to be too upset with it, or at least they put it on the front like they did? And, um, I don't know. I can remember as early as October 1st-ish in that ballpark, us being like, what the heck are they doing? Yeah. It's clear one guy's better than the other yeah. one. Yeah, well, and I think the main problem was is that Lang is such a type of guy that you want to follow. Like, I mean, I think the players on the team, he's the type of guy that you love playing with. So I think it was one of those things where it had a transition – they had they had to start believing in Park. They had to get him out there, and the players had to start believing in him and seeing him as the captain. Because Landing's just that type of guy. When he steps on the field, like the other guys, just instantly respect him. And it's it's you know I think that was one of the major hurdles was was not necessarily gameplay. It was more getting everybody on the same page and believing in what was going on. Yeah. Well, I, I got to say as an OSU fan, Landing always terrified me. Yeah. You know, just the his ability to run with the football. Now he did make just some crazy throws that I didn't know he was capable of making in some games against OSU, but I mean, uh, I agree. It seems like Park's the way to go going forward. Um, you know, Jacob Park. What is it that that we've seen in Jason, Jacob Park, or you feel like coaches Campbell has seen in Jacob Park to you know it's really solidified him as the starter this year? Well, I mean, it, it comes down to just his ability to throw the football more than anything. Um, I mean, when you start looking at those receivers, which we'll get into here in a little bit, they have. I mean, it, I know Oklahoma State has the deepest receiving core, but, I mean, if you just said, hey, pick three or four guys to go out and play with, Iowa State's going to have some of those guys you don't want. Mm-hmm. And, and so, I mean, if you could get all of those guys in, a, you know, the right position, they're going to they're hurt some people. And so I think it will come down to he is a better passer going forward, you know, with the team, and he's got another year too. You know, he's a junior. So I, I think – and with Lenny being a senior. So I really think that this is a, the right move, especially – setting them up for next year, you know. And so if Park plays up to his capabilities and learns and gets better throughout the year, next year he might have a really big year. So to me, this is the right move. But, I mean, I I think it really comes down to just landing being the better passer out of the group is the reason why this transition's happened. You mean Park? Oh, yeah, sorry. sorry. I mean Park, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Corey, uh, you said you've been watching back a lot of tape um, the last few days or weeks or whatever. What have you seen from Park that you feel like kind of solidified him as the starter this year? It's the biggest thing I'm a proponent of is arm strength, and he has it in every capacity. He Sometimes you'll see a little bit of his touch go away. Like uh, I remember Kansas State, he had a really bad overthrow in the end zone that could have got him back to within a touchdown. But his arm strength is one thing that never wavers. He'll make passes from one from the left hash to the right corner to Alan Lazard and just on the nose on the sideline. He'll catch it with a toe touch, and it's, like, it's insane the amount of zip that's on the ball whenever he makes that. And it's probably my favorite thing about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of things 
a lot of things that people don't know is that he, uh, you know, he's transferred from Georgia. So he was recruited by Georgia to play quarterback. So it's not like, you know, mm-hmm. Georgia has a history of having a pretty good quarterback. So obviously the kid has some talent. It's, now he gets a chance to show the, what he can do. Yeah. Um, do we know much about these backups as far as Kemp, Kemp or Nolan as far as, you know, if every, something were to happen to either one of them guys? Everything that I've read and heard so far is it's they still don't have the solid number two yet. But, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily coaches speak or if they're still trying to figure it out. But, you know, I mean, honestly, it wouldn't shock me one bit if, if he were to go down, if they wouldn't, you know, an emergency case, bring landing in a little bit. Cause it's, but, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, that's one of the things that, that they're still trying to figure out. I, mm-hmm. and like I said, the, you know how coaches are. Sometimes they hold stuff close to the vest. They don't let things out. And they want the kids to compete. So I I haven't I haven't got a good answer on exactly who who the for sure number two is going to be. Yet. Now, didn't I see on Twitter? I honestly – Go ahead, Corey. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, guys. I honestly haven't even seen anything regarding either uh, Kyle Kemp or Zed Nolan either way. Uh, going for the number two battle, but it'll be interesting to see if they can get ahead in maybe the UNI game or later down the road, like Texas Tech or Kansas, if they blow them out like I hope they do, to see which one they put in to get some game day experience mm-hmm. towards the end of the game. Yeah, I think, yeah, we definitely could find some things out there. Colin, did you, were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to say, didn't I see on Twitter earlier in the week that Lanning had taken some snaps mm-hmm. in the spring you or did. in the fall? Yes, I mean. absolutely. Yeah, I think that that might be the way they go just because they probably feel comfortable, especially if they're, if they're having a pretty good season. I mean, if they're, you know, if they're at the point to where they're right at the being bowl game eligible and need something to go over the top to be bowl game eligible, it wouldn't shock me one bit to put Lanning back there mm-hmm. because they probably trust Absolutely. him more than the other. But I mean, if I had, if I, if I was a coach, I would really be trying to push for uh, for Zeb Dolan to be the, just because he's a redshirt freshman. He's a young guy. I mean, he, it would really help springboard him towards the future. But you know, I that's if it came down to it, I really think that Lanning would switch back over if they had to have him in a game that they need to win. Yeah, I wonder, it may be one of those situations where they're waiting to throw one of them in a game, too, if we're not really hearing anything. That's kind of what seems to happen a lot of times. If we're not hearing anything at all about, you know, oh, this guy's definitely this, or this guy's getting this many snaps, or either Campbell just doesn't release that information at all, or, you know, they're not really sure what they're going to do. And that may be one of those things where they're they're hoping they can throw them in a game and figure that out. Well, and and the other thing is is just the the fact that, the vast majority of people don't ever have the luxury of having a, a starting quarterback on playing, you know, of course he's playing linebacker this year, but have the ability to have two guys have started multiple, you know, a lot of games at quarterback. Most teams don't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I would totally expect him to pull the landing back over if that were to happen. Yeah. So this is just me on straight memory, but if I remember correctly, the summer depth chart for Iowa State last year actually had Zed Nolan placed ahead of Jacob Park at one point. Yeah, they did. The the one I've got says pre fall camp death chart. Um, yeah, that one. It's a, it's got Kemp at second. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, you know, it, it's really again, it's hard to. Sometimes they just throw this stuff out there, and, and a lot of times you don't know if it's just a motivating factor from a coach, right? Oh, yeah. Just trying to get somebody's attention, or if they really think this could happen. So you know, we'll figure that out going forward. Um, you know, I kind of agree. I think if especially early in the year, if it's a bad situation and parks out. You know, especially a key game. You know, if it's especially a Big Twelve game, and they still haven't figured this out, I think Lanning probably gets to you know gets pulled in off the bench. It, it, and 
That's something we'll talk about in a minute, but that's going to come down to if they can afford that at linebacker, too. They may not be able to afford that. Hey, right. You might play both off, ways. So. <laughs> yeah, that'd be iron. Yeah. We'll figure that out. So, uh, real quickly, let's move over to the running backs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've we've been conditioned to Mike Warren uh, coming off. You know, he's kind of ever since that great freshman year he had. Um, you know, we've been conditioned to kind of just assuming he's going to be the guy. Uh, the depth charts I've been looking at actually have him second right. uh, behind Montgomery. Montgomery. So, um, real quick, uh, Corey, your thoughts on that? Is is there anything there? Do you kind of buy that, or is mm-hmm. that, is this a motivational tactic from the coach? I think honestly, that chart doesn't lie here. That um, Devin Montgomery will be at least starting the first game, barring any natural catastrophes, just because of what he was able to do last year. And I'm not knocking Mike Bourne or anything, but. Whenever David Montgomery was in the game, he was explosive. It was it was great to watch him because you never knew when he was just going to bounce off somebody and take one. It was great. And from what I've been seeing from the coaches and from media day is that they're working together now. There used to be tension. I know that I've read there was tension in the past, but from this spring on, they've been working together. The running back room has been great, and they've been happy to see each other get playing time and are excited to see what happens in the season because, I mean, they could just split it 50-50 and not one of them have a reason to be unhappy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Kendall, I mean, yeah, you know yeah. going back to last year, all the mm-hmm. stuff we've heard, you know, all the, the, the unrest there. Yeah. Is that is this a sign of that, or do you really think Montgomery's I, better than two backs? Well, I mean, I think, uh, I think Montgomery definitely would be the starter just because of what he did last year. And, and you know, Michael Warren, he seems to be out of the doghouse, but he's still got to earn that starting spot back. You know, and I really think, like what you know, like Corey was saying, is that they there was tension. I mean, which you kind of understand. If Mike, if Mike Warren comes in as a freshman, has an amazing freshman year, then automatically he thinks that's going to happen again in the sophomore year. And he gets in the doghouse. They put this other kid in as a freshman, and he starts getting all the snaps. So there's started to be some tension there. Mm-hmm. But you know, it really seems like to me what is what more than anything, what's impressive about the backfield is it seems like Mike Warren's kind of grown up over from from the end of last season to now. It seems like he's really matured. To me, that's a good sign. Completely agree. Because I mean, he, he is a good he is a good running back. There's no doubt. He's got talent. And really, let's be honest. In the Big Twelve, or for that matter, anywhere in college football, you got to have more one back. Mm-hmm. So to me, this is a good thing for Iowa State. Um, you know exactly what the percentage of carries is going to be. I don't know. I mean, but I I expect him to be close to a 50-50 split or you know 60-40 something like that. I don't see it being really heavy with Montgomery and none with Warren or vice versa. I see him being. Pretty pretty close to being equal, but as far as the actual starter rolling, running out their first play, I I would put my money on Montgomery. Yeah, um, the thing that I'm curious about is we're only really seeing two backs on the list. Is there anybody else that you guys any other names you've seen or anything? Because the only other back I can find, really, uh, the one they recruited from or they recruited last year from Brayton to Florida, Johnny Lang, which. I don't even think – I think he wasn't even rated as a player. If he is, they don't give him any kind of ranking. So, I mean, he's not anything – he was 5'9", 180 pounds is the only information I have on him. Yeah. Um, he actually um, – if I remember correctly, he actually ended up finishing up high school in Utah because of a situation that he ran into in Florida. Okay. But he was supposedly – I haven't seen anything, obviously, talk at me. Supposedly, he's supposed to be a really good – running back, but the one that I would mention would be Kennedy Wong. Yes. And the big question about him is the Achilles injury. Mm-hmm. And nobody really has a time on it when he's supposed to be back. I don't even know if he's been practicing because but, of it. Yeah. I mean, it's been a while. I believe it was in the spring. 
but he got snaps last year and he did get things with the ball. But after that injury, it's just going to be curious what to see or what we're going to see with him. There, there was an update like yesterday, the day before, that Matt Campbell said he's kind of expecting about two weeks to be back in practice. What name is that again? I yeah. couldn't hear him very well. What? Iwagnu. 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 Yeah. Okay. He's he's he did really well last year, and I. He, he to me he would be the third guy especially if he's healthy now Achilles thing is one of those things where it's kind of tricky and he needs to get back into game shape and things like that but mm-hmm. he he to me would be the third guy if, if he's able to get healthy again but it, it sounded like that he was ahead of what they thought he was going to be at as far as coming back from this injury and uh, they're kind of from what I read Matt Campbell was saying here in the next couple of weeks you start seeing him in practice now whether that means real light just kind of running drills or if that means you know full bore that's that's to be determined but just just seeing him out there running around is a big big improvement when you're talking about a torn Achilles. That's that's a tough that's a tough injury. So you're thinking yeah. they're these two are their backs, and then if needed, maybe a Wagner later on in the year, hopefully, right. probably. Right, and the, and the other guys yeah. like the unknown guys. You know, that's thing. Who I mean, who really thought Montgomery was going to come in and do what he did last year as a freshman? Yeah, so it's you, absolutely. You know, I mean, I, I thought he was going to be a decent backup, but I didn't see him taking the starting role and running with it either. So it's, but if I had to put money on a guy, it would be him if he's healthy. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out because it's it's. I mean, people will do it, but it's hard to make it with just two running backs the whole year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you you really got to get lucky as far as neither one of them getting hurt, dinged up. You know, the the carries balancing out right where neither one of them get winded very long, or you know, there's a there, you're asking a lot if just two guys are going to do that all year. So running yeah. backs get hit every single play, and they run every single play. Something's going to happen to one of them. Yeah. And do is do you guys know as far as have either Corey from watching film or or just a little bit of watching last year? Is there one you feel like is definitely a better pass blocker that has a better chance to stay on the field on third down? The one that I saw do more pass blocking was David Montgomery, but that I believe that's just the situation he ended up being is because he was on the field for second down. They they go up tempo, not I'll say at least half the time, mm-hmm. so they just kept him on the field, and he ended up being like a third and long or third and medium situation and they would he would chip off the end. Hmm, okay. I don't know if there was ever a better one that I noticed, but I saw him more. Yeah. He seems to have a little bit more of the size compared to Warren. Yeah. He's pushed at two twenty five. Well that's what I mean that's kinda key because oh, yeah. obviously if one of them could pass block that's gonna give them a better chance to stay on the field a lot more often. So uh, absolutely. Especially, especially in this league. Yeah. And if they get down at all or anything like that, so uh, yeah, so that kind of figure that kind of sums up the running back room. Um, I don't, you know, uh, we'll keep an eye on the Wagnu, Lang. I don't know much to take on him yet. Don't really have a lot of information on him yet. So we'll see. Maybe he can make something out of it and, you know, get some kind of carries before the end of the year. Um, now we'll talk about, uh, you know, a lot of Iowa State's uh, favorite people to talk about the wide receivers. Um, you know, this is kind of <laughs> – I feel like we run into this problem with a lot of shows. It's kind of like where do you begin with this group because uh, the league is getting so good at wide receiver lately. But, I mean, you know, Lazard is obviously, you know, the guy. Um, he's got a chance to break a lot of receiving records. Um, you know, just – we'll start – we can start with Kendall on this one. You, real quickly, just some of the key guys we need to watch for or – um, or yeah, let's start with that. Some of the key guys that you think you know are going to kind of start. Maybe they're starting rotation or at wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, of course, I mean Alan Lazard is. He, he's like, if you had to draw up a guy you wanted to play wide out for you, that that that's the body you want. I mean, the, the dude's built. He can run. He's big. He's strong. He can go get the ball. I mean, 
he he's getting ready to make a lot of money on Sundays. Mm. You know, so I mean, he's that he's that type of guy. And so I mean, and what surprised me if he was kind of a Blitnikoff finalist either, or you know, right there towards the end of it, he's that talented. Mm. And so with Park being able to throw, uh, I'm anxious to see what that combination is going to be. That could be a special combination this year. Mm-hmm. And then you know, one thing one thing I really liked last year was uh, Deshante Jones. I really like him. Yeah. And so I I think that's going to help Lazard. Uh, a lot this year, and then one guy that didn't get to play last year, who to me, to me might be the guy that that could really help, especially Lazar on the outside, is having uh, is having the tight end Chase Allen. I mean, any dude can hit by a card and it's back, and if, and if you know, and get a hundred stitches in his back, and he's back ready to go to practice like in two days. Uh, that's my kind of guy. Yeah, and, and it's huge. I mean, six six two thirty. You know, I mean, you start looking across the size of these guys, six five. You know, Lazard's six five. You got uh, e- Matt Eaton. He's six four. You have Chase Allen six six. I mean, six five. It's it's crazy. They're they're big. Mm-hmm. And so if if they if they play a team that has smaller corners or small linebackers, uh, good luck. I mean, they they've got ability there. And with Park being able to be a better passer, I really expect Lazard to blow up this year and be what we all thought he was going to be the last couple of years. Like you could see it coming. It just Last year, we kept saying you keep changing quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And then you, have, you know, it's really tough for a receiver to, to get a rapport with a guy. This mm-hmm. could be the year where it's like he blows things up. Yeah, uh, Corey, have you seen? Is there any names you've heard in camp? Uh, you know that we need to watch out for in this group that maybe wasn't playing last year, or is there a name uh, that maybe is going to take that other outside wide re- wide receiver position that you've been hearing? Absolutely, Hakeem Butler. All the way coming back from April and out of uh, spring camp, that was and King Butler was Matt Campbell's offensive MVP out of spring spring ball, and I think he's earned it. He's done very well in practice from what everything that I've heard, and it goes along with everything else. I mean, the dude's six six. He's got the size, exactly what you want for an outside wide receiver, and I am excited to see what's going to happen when you have six five and six six on both outsides. Especially in the Big 12 with the undersized corners that we have. Yeah, exactly. And especially, you know, down the red zone, they got guys that can go get the ball now. Yeah, and then you have tight end that's also 6'6. Six, six. So, yeah. I mean, and then you're talking, you're like a basketball oh, yeah. rolling out there in the red zone. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's impressive. That's going to be. Like that's, people. Go ahead, Corey. People have no idea, but they're not paying attention. I don't know what's going on. But, I mean, Iowa State's receivers and then getting Chase Allen back is probably their biggest weapon. And it's going to be scary. Yeah, that, that's something that, you know, especially down by the goal line, like we said, that's good luck defending that group. Yeah, how, how would you like to be like the safety and look across there and you see like 6'5", 6'6", 6'5", like cross, you're like, crap, man. Which, who's the, who, where's the ball getting thrown up in the air at? Yeah. Because that's what's getting ready to happen. And then, oh, by, oh, by the way, you got to worry about Deshante Jones, you yeah. know, running by you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, you start, yeah, exactly. You start backing up on those guys and then he breaks one right down the middle. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a really interesting year. I think Big 12 fans that are not Iowa State fans – Better take a notice of this group because whenever they come to play your team, you're you're getting ready to see something that not a lot of teams are able to bring. Well, and and again, that's what that's kind of the focal point of this this episode is pay attention because this team is going to do some things people haven't been expecting them to yes. do for a long time. Um, you know, and a lot of it is on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, we'll get to the defense here in a minute, but a lot of it, they are going to put pressure on you offensively in ways that they haven't, and a lot of Big Twelve teams can't match. Uh, especially when it comes to the size at the wide receiver mm-hmm. position. So if either one of them running backs, you know, which I fully expect both of them to be pretty solid, you know, do their job, and then you have these wide receivers on the outside, it gets it becomes an issue real quickly for you. Um, 
looking at the depth of this group, uh, Kendall, do we know much about any of these? I mean, they, they brought in a couple of key Juco transfers at wide receiver. They recruited some guys. Is there anything else we know about the depth yet as far as this group goes? Well, I mean, they, they had and some talented people. You know, there's no doubt. But it's one of those things where it's like a lot of things. Until they get out there in a, in a game situation, it's kind of hard to tell. But I will say, as far as they're starting four guys that they're probably going to put out there, they're going to be just as good as just about anybody around. I mean, anytime they go play somewhere, they're going to be right there with whoever they go against. So, I mean, as far as depth, it's one of those things. I mean, maybe Corey can go in a little more depth on it, but it's it's one of those things where I, I always shy away from that because you just until you see it on the field, it's kind of like hey, you 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 kind of back away from it a little bit. But as far as starting four, that's impressive. Well, and, like, you know, you look at Matthew Eaton, the kid from Pearl River Community College. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's another big guy, 6'4", 205. He was That's, a three-star. Yeah. Um, you know, he was the number 12th-ranked Juco mm-hmm. player in the country at his position. Yes. So, you I, know, I – I expect him to contribute. Uh, I definitely do. I mean, I, really, I think they were expecting him to actually be kind of like the guy. And then, you know, when then they had, uh, you know uh, – oh, shoot, what's it um, – uh, King Butler come in and just have an awesome spring. You know, I don't think they were expecting that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that kind of changed changed things around a little bit. But I mean, I, I definitely think he's going to get in the games for sure because he, he's a he's this same type of guy, a big body guy that can go get the ball. Have you heard anything, Corey, about the guys in this class? I mean, I haven't really seen a whole lot. The guys they just got, Josh Johnson, or like I said, the uh, the uh, JUCO transfer Eaton or anything like that. Not names that I've heard more than a couple of times. Nothing that I've noticed really that has jumped out to me okay i mean they're so solid at that position it's just hard to look at well and i can and i kind of wonder and i don't mean this is not mean to be demeaning in any way shape shape or form i really don't mean it this way but it's going to sound this way i wonder if the media that covers this team is so wrapped up in all the new toys all of a sudden like maybe they're not talking a lot about the guys behind them you know what i mean like teams that are more teams that are more used to this situation your Texases and Oklahomas and schools like that, they are going to focus. A lot of the guys are going to have been through this, or I don't care about the stuff. You know, let's find out what's behind them. I kind of wonder if maybe that's going on. And I am this totally a guess. I don't know anything about. You know, I haven't heard anything. I just wonder if, you know, everything's on the up and up. People are excited. Um, you know, th- there's just a lot of positivity in the program right now. I wonder if they're just so focused on, you know, what's going on with those guys and all the new toys and how Park's acting with them and, you know, that we're not seeing. Because I'll be honest, I haven't seen much of anything behind the starting line on any of these guys. Right. That's a good take on it because, like you said, people like Iowa State not so used to having such great talent necessarily. Mm -hmm. And they have to realize that you have to pay attention to the guys behind it because, I mean, if you look at it, obviously Lazard's a senior. But Trevor Ryan and um, – crap, sorry, guys, I lost it. It's okay. It's all right. What I was going to say is that both Lazard and Trevor Ryan, two of their biggest threats, are seniors, and you have to start paying attention to everybody who's behind them because they're going to be gone next year, and you have to pay attention to see this year what's going to happen next year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Park's a junior. Yes. So he'll be back next year, most yes. likely, barring, barring a real high NFL, you right. know, take or anything like that. So, uh, so yeah, they definitely got to figure that out. They're, they're good at running back for a couple of years. Uh, Jones, I believe, is a sophomore at wide receiver this year, maybe a junior. I can't remember off the top of my head. No, he's a sophomore. Sophomore. So, 
Um, yeah, so they should be. And then, you know, some of the transfers and, and things they took in are younger guys, so they should be good for a while. There's a bug in here but, driving us nuts in this show. Killing me. Um, I tried to get it with my quiet <laughs> clap earlier. Between that and the thunderstorm screwing with the phones, it's just been a, a fun show so far. Uh, so anyway, yeah, if you hear anybody whiffing or waffing, it's because of that stupid bug. Um, it's driving us crazy. It keeps getting up in everybody's face. Um, so... Yeah, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and move away from the the wide receivers. Hopefully, we can get some more information after we get out of camp on. And I guess obviously the first game, you know, first game we're getting a lot of answers to these questions as far as yes. who else is going to play and things like that. So, well, we'll two deep should be coming out. Do you and I game a big game for that reason? Yeah, they should post it that week. They should post the two deep. Um, you know, mm-hmm. where like for instance, Oklahoma State obviously. They play Thursday, so tomorrow, or this coming Thursday, you'll get your press conference yeah, and all that out. stuff with all that information. But like Iowa State, I would expect probably Monday we would get all that stuff. No later than Tuesday, we should have some kind of some solid information on that. So, uh, you know, we'll figure that out as we go from there. Uh, moving to the offensive line, um, Corey, you know, what are some of the names of the offensive line we need to be watching mm-hmm. for this season with this group? Oh, offensive line is the biggest question for the offense. Um, it's, they've had problems with it before, and they only returned two starters this year, um, and Jake Campos and Julian Good-Jones. Julian Good-Jones actually played right tackle last year after Campos got hurt. He injured, can't remember what he injured, but he injured something on his leg, I believe it was a meniscus tear. Mm-hmm. But he was out all last year, so Julian Good-Jones ended up playing his spot. But he's back, at, Jake Campos is back at left tackle, and that is, a pretty major – it's good to get him back. I mean, he's the second career-leading starter behind Alan Lazard on the offense, and he would miss an entire year. Mm-hmm. So it would be nice to have some experience, especially for a left tackle position. Julian Good-Jones slid down to center, which I'm excited about because, I mean, 6'5 is pretty large for a center, but for 293, the guy can move, and it'll be great to see what he'll be able to do opening up holes in the running game for David Montgomery and Mike Warren. Uh, Robbie Garcia is the big story other than Jake Campos on the offensive line because the guy was a two-year backup on the defensive line and made the switch for his senior season. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see what he can do pushing people around instead of trying to get past people who are pushing him. Yeah. Um, he will be left guard. Ogi Odegu sorry, is a right guard, and everything that I've heard Matt Campbell say about him is great, and I'm excited to see what the guy can do. 6'3", 317, he's got the size, and he'll be able to put the whooping on somebody. And then the right tackle would be Bryce Meeker, who they have listed right now. I haven't heard anything regarding him yet, but at 6'6", and 314, from what I'm looking at, I mean, there's no problems there. He is a sophomore, but he's a red shirt, so he's been in the program for three years, and he's been under Mike Campbell for two. So he should know everything there is to know about the offense so far. I don't see a whole yet we'll find out later but i don't see a whole yet yeah um kendall one thing i'd kind of notice mm-hmm. about this group is there's kind of it's kind of a mature group yeah uh, you got a lot of sophomore i mean a lot of seniors and juniors you do have the one sophomore starting um you know even the backups you know the freshmen there's one freshman in the backup in the 2d but other than that they're all mm-hmm. at least sophomores um you know is there is there? Do you feel like there's a lot of experience here? Or is there still a lot of question marks on some of these guys? Well, I mean, there's definitely question marks. I mean, but the one thing I will say about this group is you don't see lines this size in a lot of places. Every one of them is over six three, and every one of them is well mm-hmm. over three hundred pounds. I mean, from center 
out to your tackles. And, and so they're, they're big. If they, if they can, if they can uh, gel together, you know, that's one of the biggest things is learning communication with each other and having Campos back out there to me is so huge because he is that he's the guy. I mean, he's the guy they look up to, he, you know, going in last season, he, he was going to be, you know, the captain of everything out there. And so what, what was so cool about him was whenever he got hurt, you know, he, he, he broke his leg, he came back out there, and they, you know, Campbell had him go out there and help coach. So he got mm. to see the game from a totally different point of view, and he got to work with all those guys on a daily basis on what's going on, communicate with them. So to me, I, I think it's a very good thing to have him back out there because he's going to be able to communicate with them because they're not only going to see him as just a guy standing beside him, they're also going to see him as that guy that worked with them all last year and built this relationship with them that he probably wouldn't have had a chance to do. So, I mean, to have him back out there, to me, is probably one of the biggest things that's going to be good for Iowa State as far as the offensive line. He's going to be able to kind of steady the group and keep them moving. So, I, I, I you know, it's one of those things, Corey's right, they are the biggest question mark, but if they could gel together with the weapons they have around them, they can do some damage. They yeah. really can. And they're, they're a lot bigger than what a lot of people have. Every one of them, like I said, over 6'3 and over 300 pounds. You don't see that too often across, you know, from center – all the way out to your tackles. No, especially not at some of the, the schools that have traditionally been lower, smaller, um, you know, power five schools, and then not at all in the in the group of five. You don't see lines like this. So, but but they're definitely um, you're right. They're definitely older and more mature as far as just personally. But you know, as far as game experience, there's not as much. But you know, I I, I really think this is has a chance to be a decent offensive line. Now, th- that's one of those things where it's not proven yet. So yeah. we have to wait and see. But they they have they have the talent to do it. Obviously, Campos is kind of the star of the group. You know, we'll we'll figure out you know where we go from there. The chart I'm looking at basically says two returning starters, but right. um, I believe Corey said it was Garcia that played some last year. Well, it'll good at tackle. To, yeah, good. So good Jones uh, the center too. Um, so yeah, so yeah, you got Campos and Good Jones the center. The two returning, the two returning at their position, I guess put it that way. Uh, starters. So, Robbie Garcia was a defensive lineman last year. Oh, defensive yeah. lineman. Okay, I thought you said he mm-hmm. was another tackle. I'm sorry, I misheard that. No, he played D line for two years and then he switched during the off season. Okay, okay, I misheard. Again, phones are in and out with the stupid stormer. It's getting quiet and then you get louder. So, um, yeah. So that you know, we'll see how that goes with them. I I, I kind of think they'll be all right. I mean, if nothing else, they got size, which obviously yeah. we always say you can't teach. Um, you know, you can't coach big guys. So. They've got that, so hopefully they'll they'll do well. And they, you know, they have struggled at that position in recent years, but it seems to me just looking at it. First of all, they're more again they're more mature, more older guys than they've had in, in recent years there. So that's got to help to some degree. Yeah, well, it's got to help whenever you have good athletic talent around you too. You don't you don't have to hold the blocks as long. You don't have to lull a guy yeah. completely into you know to the, out of the stadium for a hole to open up. You know, it, it makes it makes things a little bit easier whenever you can do things with with your athleticism behind them. Or, and, so, and, you know, like when Iowa State had like one really good player, obviously the defensive right. focused in on that guy, so it was harder for the offensive line to be able to do certain things. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you right now, if Texas goes into – I mean, I'm kind of skipping ahead here, but Texas is their first conference game. If, if they go into that game focused 100% on Lazard, uh, they're going to be in trouble. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I'm just, I, and I, I know Texas fans probably don't want to hear that, but I'm telling you, they're, they're going to – especially going up to Jack Trice – and playing on Thursday, and you're, you focus all on Lazard, they're going to light you up. That's definitely, for me, one of the games of the conference to watch early on. So, yeah. That be- was my pick for Iowa State's um, upset was Texas. Because it's in Ames, and they, Texas will be coming off of 
the loss I'm hoping to USC. And if you focus, <laughs> like what Kendall was saying, if you focus on Alan Lazard, I mean, you're going to get screwed it every which way to Sunday. That's not him. Yeah. Now, Corey, yeah. don't you realize that we're trying to mend relations with our Texas fan base right now? Yeah, you're hurting that. <laughs> One thing I can never do. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I will cheer for nine out of ten teams in the Big Twelve. You know, we we talked about Chase Island and tight end, so I feel like you know we talked about the tight ends with you know as far as he goes with the wide receiver group. So I don't feel like there's anything else we need to to harp on a whole lot. I mean, obviously Sam Harms was the starter last year after Allen goes out, so he returns, so they're good there. Um, I know a lot of times sometimes we kind of focus on them singularly, but I really don't feel like we need to get much else into that. People are pretty familiar with Chase Allen and Harms by now. So we'll go ahead and flip to the, uh, the other side of the ball real quickly. Uh, uh, Corey, on this defensive line, uh, you know, I'm seeing that they return one starter, I guess, basically out of – or no, two starters, I believe it is. Uh, just, two starters. Uh, real quickly, can you talk about that and, and maybe some of the new names that are going to be, it looks like, appearing on that group? Now you're in my specialty. I'm a defensive guy, so I'm excited about you. <laughs> um, they do return two starters at end and at nose guard, uh, or defensive tackle, sorry, not nose guard. J.D. Wagner's end, and Renell Trent is actually a redshirt senior uh, defensive tackle. So they'll have experience both on the outside and the inside. The listed as the starting nose guard is Ray Lima. He's a redshirt sophomore, and everything I've heard on this guy coming out of the camp and going into fall is that he's ready and he's stepped up to the job and he's doing a great job. And he's young, but he doesn't play like it. He's got the size also. He's 6'3", and I'm seeing him around 3'10", and that's perfectly good to plug up a hole. I love to see that. Um, Jaquan Bailey, they say, is a returning starter at Leo. So there may be three starters, but I'm not sure how it's going to end up working out. Yeah. end up running a 3-4. I don't know what's going to happen yet. Um, but that's basically the load on the defensive line. They shouldn't be anywhere near bad, I'm hoping. Well, one thing we, we talked about, Kendall, you'll remember going back to our, um, I guess it was either our recruiting special or our spring review of the Cyclones. I can't remember now which one it was. But um, we talked about all the, the, the incredible defensive class they got on the defensive line yes. in JUCO. Yes. Um, landing four of the top 50 guys. And the Ray Lima that we're talking about here at the nose guard, mm-hmm. they even beat out schools like Oklahoma for. Yes. Um, so, yep. you know, <clears throat> one thing that I think should make you feel good is even though you only return technically two starters, uh, depending on, you know, again, depending on Bailey, if you want to count him as dropping down or, you know, back at the linebackers, however you want to figure that out. Um you know, even though you're only returning those, you guys should feel really good about what's there. You got Matt Lamo, Matt Leo, uh, the six seven two seventy six junior JUCO transfer, Ray Lima on the defensive line. There's another one I'm forgetting. Of the old Tonga Wonga. Oh t- yeah, Tonga Moa. I, I always screw that every time. <laughs> well, see, he he still hasn't made it to camp yet. Oh, he's not there yet. Well, no, he he has he to. He is yeah. scheduled to arrive. Like tonight or yes. tomorrow night. Yeah, he had a few other. I can't cor- believe I forgot to mention it. Yes, he he had a few other core classes that it was kind of tying him up. He had to make sure that he had those all, you know, one of those technicality type things. He had to make sure he had everything squared away, and before they would clear him to go ahead and come, you know, into Iowa State. But it sounded like everything was pretty much a done, you know, already done. And if he's already arriving today or tomorrow, I mean, I I expect him, you know, he has some catching up to do, obviously, because he had been there. But you know, maybe. 
three or four games in the season, I, I wouldn't I would expect to see him out there starting to, to get some playing time because like, he he's a talented guy. Mm-hmm. So, but he's just. I saw be him. I saw him in an interview, and just like what Kendall said, he said he was unhappy that he had to stay, but he's glad that he got it done. But it put him so behind in the conditioning that he's not sure exactly how much he's going to be able to contribute this year. Yeah. But I'm not expecting him to be so far behind that he can't do anything at least or four games in. Yeah, yeah, that's one thing. I mean, it's not going to be. You're not going to. I mean, you might see him in Northern Iowa, just be, you know, towards the end of the game or something. But as far as you know, yeah. significant playing time, it's going to take him. I, I would say probably Texas game or so before he really starts. You know, showing up every every week playing multiple snaps. It's it's going to take a little bit. You got to get in game shape, and he's got to learn the system. You know, so he's just behind. But I I will say I think he'll be a positive add to the season going forward, and I think he's he's going to be needed because they're. They're a little bit thin up there at the defense tackle spot, so I think if you can, you know, especially defense tackle, you know how that is. You get a you get a guy get rolled up on or something, and you're you're out for a couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. he, it's, he's definitely going to help the team whenever he gets into game shape. Yeah. Uh, real quickly, correction. I think I may have said this wrong a second ago in my head. I was playing it back. Um, uh, Matt Leo is the one that they beat out Oklahoma for. It yes. wasn't Ray Lima. I think I said Ray Lima. I'm not sure. I can't remember. But You did. Um, yeah, but it was Matt Leo. Um, and, and the thing that's really cool about Matt Leo, just looking at him, the guy, he's 200. Well, now I'm betting he's bigger than that because I saw a photo of him recently. But he's not He's not a fat. No. Uh, to, I mean, this guy has. No. He's like you see. He looks like a defensive end. Yeah, he looks like. And it even, you know, a lot of, the, the one thing real quickly you're starting to see that is just amazing in at schools that like Alabama and stuff that are getting like the top top prospects. You're starting to see more of these defensive linemen that are near th- or go to well, he would be a bad example. Hang on, going about 300 pounds that aren't that are like you know less than 10 percent or less than 20 percent body fat. Like they're right. just they're muscle, just huge thick guys, and so they're huge super athletes and things like that. And Leo isn't quite in that ilk, but he's close. Like yes. he's not far behind. Um, you know, so that's that's something, and those guys are just machines. I mean, a guy with that much muscle, that much athletic ability, that's suddenly three hundred pounds, that's not carrying around a gut. That's a whole another animal you got to deal with. Yeah. And Leo's long and like that, and he's got a lot of muscle to him. I've seen some photos of him. Guy's not fat by any means. So, um, you know, that could be a super athlete for them pretty sh- pretty soon. A really good steal for them. Um, he was very highly recruited. Absolutely, yeah. It, it, they they did a really good job this year of the JUCO. I mean, they had a need for a defensive line, and they went out and plugged it with very good guys out of the JUCO ranks to plug mm-hmm. in there. You know that to me, that's a good sign for Iowa State that Matt Campbell was able to go out and fill a need with capable guys that were really talented at the JUCO level. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes people don't like going to the JUCO level, but sometimes you have to. Yeah, you, you have a need, you got to fill it right immediately. But he didn't just fill it with just anybody. He went out and found top fifty guys in the nation and plugged them in there mm-hmm. that, you know three of them that that's that says a lot yep and all what top seven or so at their position yeah something like that exactly yep. so um yeah yeah all top five at their position four three four he got three number three number four number five defensive lineman in the country at juco so that, i mean that's iowa state doesn't do that guys it does not happen no that's what i'm saying he, so they do now yeah. yeah so that's that's pretty impressive so uh, I would think a lot of high hopes to the defensive line where you've obviously got to be pretty good to win some games. So, um, And, I, and I, I do expect them to be able to generate some kind of pass rush this year that, you know, a little bit more than the past. Uh, and, again, this is another thing like the offensive line that's kind of been a weakness for them in some years past. So uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on that. I, I, again, some of their depth is an experience like it is in a lot of places. Again, we've talked about this a lot. Just about every team in the conference you can say this about. 
They're too deep on the do- defensive line. There's not a lot of experience behind the starters. But right. they've got some players and some athletes that some of the other ones don't. So we'll see how that goes. Um, moving over to linebacker real quick, Corey. Uh, you know, what are some of the names in this group that you can tell us about that we need to be watching for? Every single person that has paid a dish to Iowa State football mm-hmm. for this last year has heard about Joel Henning making moves. Mm-hmm. And obviously, for good reason. I mean, he's going to end up being the middle linebacker listed as starting, and I'm imagining that's going to stay that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't. The only question I have about him is whether he's going to be able to do it against somebody or against an offense that he hasn't run before. Because mm-hmm. he went, he wreaked havoc in the spring game, but he knows every single play. <laughs> so point. it's going to be. I think it's going to be great fun to be able to watch him learn and see what an opposing team that he's never played against is going to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we only have a year of watching him do that, but it'll be all right. Um, the other, my favorite, personally, is Willie Harvey that they returned. He was the leading tackler on the team last year. And, I mean, the guy flies around. He's undersized, I say, for a linebacker because he only weighs around 220. But, I mean... That's the trend with Iowa State is smaller linebackers, and they cover well. And the guy can cover sideline to sideline, and he can tackle anybody. And it will straight lay him out, too. I love watching him play. Marcel Spears, um, which would be the opposite side of Willie Harvey, was Adam Camp- or was sorry, was Matt Campbell's defensive MVP of spring camp. And he beat out a returning starter for the linebacker spot, the starting spot. And if nothing changes, then we're going to be able to see him for the first snap of defense against you and I. And everything that I've heard is a kid's a workhorse, and he comes in and puts in his work and doesn't go home until everybody else does. Well, one thing I noticed about their <clears throat> one one thing I wanted to ask you real quickly uh, when you look at their depth chart, they actually list twelve positions uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, do you see them, because I honestly don't know. I've watched them, but I haven't watched enough to pay attention. Do you see them more of a 3-4 a base and then kind of a 3-3-5 three, three, they morph to? Because we're seeing like a star backer listed. Uh, you know, they're, they're... Honestly, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, go ahead. That's fine. Honestly, what I listed as whenever I went back and watched them, it's a 4-2-5 is what I see it as. Mm-hmm. Because the star backer is, I mean, the dude weighs 190. You can't list him as a linebacker. There's no way. <laughs> and he's too undersized to play linebacker anyway, in height-wise also. Yeah. But he, it doesn't mean he's not useful. Is like, he more, um, is it it more of a be, nickel? Yes, that's what I would compare it to. Everett Edwards is the guy I'm talking about. And he's more on, like, second and long, third and medium situations that they'll send him on and either pull Leo off or something close to that. And they end up, honestly, most of the time they line up in a 4-3, but the linebacker so far off, it looks like a 4-2-5 anyway. Mm-hmm. But the star backer, I would compare it to a nickel. So that, that Leo guy, like Jaquan Bailey, for instance, he's kind of a – he would be like the 4-2-5 or the 4-2-5 in, but could also be kind of like a 3-3-5 or 3-4 linebacker that kind of drops down, kind of plays a role like we've seen Okoronkwo or somebody like that play. I don't know if him, if he himself would be that guy that I would compare to because I haven't seen him do any coverage whatsoever that I noticed. Uh But, yes, that's basically what I would compare the defense to. Okay. That's interesting because I – 
it's not something I can recall. Right. Do you guys can you guys recall looking at yeah. anybody else it's, defensively that lists twelve spots? No, well, no, and, and they, like sorry, they, it's basically like looks like a four-two-five almost, and then that star backer kind of has he comes up. He's not a full linebacker position, but he's he's able to do things. So I mean, that's a good way to kind of describe it because it's more of a he kind of floats around a little more, has a little bit more responsibility in the run game. But it's not, you know, a full-blown linebacker either. Yeah. And so that's uh, – yeah. That, that tells me then, to me, I mean, if I'm looking at this, this guy here don't know anything about the team, to me that would mean that instead of kind of a base and a sub, they kind of equally play both parts. Like they kind of feel like – or at least it was important enough to mention that they play this, this other set Definitely often agree. enough. Because, yes. you know, most people are going to list, you know, their base defense as the 11 spots mm-hmm. and then whatever they have to do to morph out of that and sub that in and out. But, you know, this this here, I mean, if I'm looking at this, I'm going to take this as we run a four two five, but we also run a three three five or, a, you know, a 3-4, however you want to look at that. So, um, that's the, I, don't know, I honestly, out of all the previews we've done, I have not seen anybody else do that. So, that's interesting to me. Yes. Um, if I had to choose one, I would definitely say it's a four-three. But the starbacker plays so much, and the third linebacker plays so deep, depending on who they're playing, what the situation is, that it basically becomes a four-two-five. Yeah. Um, the question I would have, if I'm one to look further into this, would be how well and efficiently they can continue to get lined up in this league. If you're, because obviously you can't play twelve guys on the field, so that means every time you sub this, somebody's coming off the field, somebody's going on the right. field. Well, I mean, so the, the good thing about the starbacker, though, it, it gives you a lot more flexibility, especially the Big 12 where you don't know if they're put two backs back there where they're going to swing it back out there in a slot or something that you need another cover guy. Mm-hmm. You, you don't you know, mm-hmm. you don't you don't want your outside linebacker that weighs, you know, 240 pounds, a little bit slower against a quick back. So, I mean, I think it gives them a little more flexibility. Now, the, the d- downside of that is if you run on the team that's going to be pounding the ball down, right downhill, th- then that changes things up. It's not the you know the right fit. But the Big 12 to me. This is pretty smart because it gives you a little bit more leeway to, op- to whenever they slide someone out of the backfield, like a lot of teams do. It gives you a little more leeway to have someone there to cover. So I, yeah. so I mean, there's there's pluses and minus to it, just like any other defense. You know, I mean, it's the same type of thing. Yeah, there's pros and cons. I'm just trying to understand it better. That's all. Because you know, it, it's been fun to do this this show for the last year because we've learned teams that use terminology. You know, like the spur at West Virginia, yeah. things that I had never noticed, never heard. Uh, you know, before trying to understand that three three five, which is not something we ever see in this league yeah. very often. So yeah. um, this is another thing. When I saw this, I was like, man, there's 12. I kept looking at it and counting it. I was like, there's something not right here about what I'm seeing. Yeah. Well, so, with this linebacker crew, I will say one thing. Nationally and a lot of the talk around the Big 12 is – Understandably, he's been Joe Landing going to linebacker. To which, the point, I mean, it's got it's about as right. up there with Mike Gundy's mullet. Yeah, just, I mean, you know, and, and which is understandable. Yeah. You, you don't you don't see a quarterback go to middle linebacker. I mean, it's just not a switch you normally see. You mm-hmm. might see him go to safety or something, but not middle <laughs> linebacker. You know. Yeah. So, but I will say this: Marcel Spears has really been the talk of camp. I mean, as far as like, if you ask the coaches a linebacker that they're really excited about seeing get out there on Saturday, it's Spears. I mean, he he has really turned. The corner, it sounds like, and it sounds like the coaches are, like, super excited about what he's going to do this year. Well, one simple so. testament to that is Reagan Northrup. I'm guessing it's Reagan, Reagan, Reagan Northrup. He is a returning starter, and Spears is listed over him yes. on the depth chart. Yeah, so, and he jumped him. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. He's, he's the – and, like, you know, Corey was saying that. He To me, he is the guy that they're most excited about because he's so explosive and he gets around the end. I mean, he, he's going to cause some havoc. And I, I'm, I'm excited to watch him get out there because they're – you know, Mac Campbell's not one of those guys that's going to BS the stuff. You know, mm-hmm. whatever he says, he really thinks the guy's good and he's excited about him. 
he must be pretty dang good. Do so. you do you think that Kendall? Do you think that uh, Lanning is going to be able to handle the duties of calling? You know, being in charge, being the leader of that group, as far I, as calling out the for, the coverages and things like that, if he needs to. I, I think so. I mean, because uh, when you play college quarterback at a Power Five team, you're a pretty smart guy. I mean, mm-hmm. you you got to be a little smart guy to, to like figure out coverage and stuff. It, it's just it's just in reverse. He's on the other side, but it's the same thing. Your middle linebacker is like quarterback. He's calling out coverages. He's making sure people are lined up the same way. So to me, I think that part's not going to be hard. The the biggest thing to him is going to be getting off blocks. How well he does that. Um, I mean, one I would say one advantage he may have is he he should be able to read stuff pretty quick being a quarterback. He, I think he's going to understand the fakes and things quicker because he's he's been back there on the other side of the ball and seen it from that point of view. I think he's going to be able to pick up on things. You know, if he can meet you in the hole, he's going to make you down. You know, knock you down. Now, when he gets a three hundred pound guy you know blocking him how well does he get off that and make a tackle that's to me that's the biggest question mark i want to see in a game situation is how well he can get fit off a block and make a tackle yeah um real quickly moving over to the secondary um obviously we know i mean i think most people if anybody's been paying attention know the name kamari cotton moya yes. but uh what else you know i guess starting with uh cory what else can you tell us about this this secondary what are some of the names we need to be watching for in this group Everybody knows Kamari Cotton-Moya. I mean, he's a redshirt senior, and he's uh, he plays basically everything I love in a safety. He hits you just as hard as anybody else on the field, and he can cover just as good as anybody else. He is exactly what you want in a defensive leader, especially in the secondary. Um, Brian Peavy will be the starting right corner. He's a senior also, and he's not a brand-new guy. I mean, he started, I believe he started all games all the way back to his sophomore season. But he was insane last year watching him play again. That was great. I love watching the guy play. He's like, not to knock anybody, he's probably my favorite cyclone. His energy and especially his work ethic, including the offseason, he's the guy that I've heard more than anybody other than maybe Marcel Spears that has come in late or come in early and left late more than anybody else and just challenged himself. And he is not the guy that needed to. And I'm excited to see how much improvement he's made over what he already was doing. On the opposite side, it would be DeAndre Payne. And he is a redshirt junior, and he played all last season, too. And the guy was almost as good. I'd, I'd take Brian Peavy over him, but the guy was almost as good. And I saw him. I could see him jumping routes 24-7. There wasn't, like, he wouldn't always make the catch, but it doesn't matter. If you jump the route and you knock the ball away, then that's a heads up play all around. Mm-hmm. And I love watching him play, too. I'm excited about these corners to see what's going to happen this year. On the other safety spot, opposite Kamari Cotton-Moya, it looks like it's going to be Reggie Wilkerson, who hasn't started so far, but they have to have a reason to put him there. I haven't heard much concerning him, but I don't see a problem with it. They have to have a reason to put him there, like I said. He's a senior, too, so, I mean, he's got some some, some history in the program oh, yeah. and everything. Um one thing I was going to tell you on PV, we have I haven't listed as a junior. I don't know. I realized if... that as I was talking about DeAndre. Payne, I said <laughs> the wrong thing. You're correct. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that we got the that guy clear. plays like a senior. That's what I was trying to say. So he'll be so he'll be around for possibly two more years unless he goes to the NFL. So uh, you know we'll see. Um, the only thing I wanted to, the one thing I wanted to hit on Kendall, mm-hmm. um, you know their their corners are five nine five ten, mm-hmm. and one thing we've and neither are two hundred pounds. Um, you know, one thing we've talked about on a lot of these shows is how 
versatile the wide receiver groups are at a lot of these schools now you've got a lot of size uh, i don't care who it is you're talking about you can talk about any of them um maybe not quite as much tcu but for the rest of the groups that we've talked about so far uh you have everything from six five down to five ten so um you know how how well do you think these guys are going to be able to hold up against some of these these bigger wide receiver groups well i mean the thing is surprisingly they've held up pretty well i mean the, the thing is they, they've had you have something to go by because they, they played like all last year both corners did and i mean for example they only had uh let me just double check that my numbers here one two they only had four teams last year three or 300 yards against them mm-hmm. so that's, that's pretty good yeah i mean they, they could play a corner i mean mm-hmm. now i will say with what's coming up yeah they're, they're starting to get undersized but they're tough and they stick with you and they they make the right decisions and they jump routes so i mean they're they could play um you know to me the strongest part of this defense is that secondary in my opinion because they have a lot of returning talent and they have kids there that are proven 100 percent proven to go out there on saturday and play now the other groups have some people there that are athletic and we're waiting to see what happens but to me if you're just looking at across the board which one has the talent level slash experience to go out and play in big 12 it's the secondary so i mean i i to me that's the biggest part and then you know cotton Moya to me is one of the best safeties in america i mean the, the kid's incredible and so i on I, that yeah go ahead sorry i didn't mean to cut you off um on that note one thing that i've seen is the best part for them is the receivers that they have to practice against because we've been raving about these receivers all the time and you realize that brian Peavy and deandre Payne have to line up across from Alvin Lazard and Hakeem Butler every day in practice, and that's who they practice against. So it's not like they're going to be inexperienced going out there and playing against big guys. Yeah. And they have themselves said in interviews, I've seen them, uh, I've read what they've said about playing with, like playing against Lazard and Hakeem Butler and Trevor Ryan has made them better because they have to deal with it. There's no break, even on off day. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point because I mean, when you have to line up against six six and you're five nine, you, you kind of get used to it after time. I mean, and, and nothing is it doesn't intimidate you. If you're used to seeing it all the time, you're not you're not as intimidated when you walk up there to the line of scrimmage. So, but I mean, last year they proved they could play. So I, I'm really excited about the secondary group. I, I really think this could be a really bright spot for them. And you know, in the Big Twelve with the ball getting thrown around quite a bit, if they're able to get a few picks and stuff, it, it could turn momentum real quick. You know, into the with the game and turn a game completely around real fast. So I. I'm really happy with the secondary group. But, you know, when you start looking into the secondary, you know, as far as the depth chart, then you start going into some questions. Well, as I say, the only thing that that would worry me, for the most part, is you got two freshmen there backing up two key spots. So, right. um, you know, we'll have to see how that, that plays out because we don't really know much about those guys yet. Um, you know, it, it's just freshmen. you got to see how they do. There's not really any other way around, you know. Just have to see how they turn out. Um Anything else we need to get to? Any other names you guys can think of that you know any guys we need to watch on that on that secondary group depth chart or anything? Mm, for me, not really. I mean, huh? to me, the the starters are who they are, and, and we know they're they're solid. So, anybody for you, Corey, I agree. That, that we need to touch on? I agree. I mean, we went through the defensive line very well. They're the only really position group that has the backups that we needed to speak of that I thought. So, I think we're good. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's move real quick to special teams. Um, uh, Corey, Kendall, either one of you, I don't care. Um, who's their, who's their, who's going to be doing the kicking duties for this group? It's looking like it's going to be Garrett Owens, the transfer out of Oregon State. Yeah. Is he going to be doing the kickoffs as well? I haven't heard anything regarding a dual kicker system, so I believe so. Okay. 
that's say his name again. Garrett Owens. Garrett Owens. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. I remember that now. Now that he says that, I do remember that. Okay. Um, uh, looks like Chris Francis is backing him up potentially, so we'll see how that goes on uh, punt return. I'm seeing Ryan and Lazard. Uh, Kendall, is that who you feel good about? Um, I would love to see Deshante Jones. I would too, personally. I mean, just as quick as he is and everything, if he if he can get just a crease, he he can make you pay. I mean, you know, that's what you're looking for in a punt returner. You're wanting that explosion thing, but you also have to factor in you want a guy who doesn't catch the damn ball. Mm-hmm. You, you don't want the ball bouncing around back there. So, but I mean, if if I had to pick a guy, I would really like to see just get out there and have a chance just to roll him back. That would be the guy I'd want to see. Yeah, I think he could get you off your seat. Yeah, Lazard, yeah. Lazard. I mean, he to me, he's not really a punt returner. No, no. If I if I you know want a sure-handed catch to you Physical know guy, something like yeah. that, yes. But as far as like going to break one and make a make a guy miss and run for eighty yards, uh, Deshante Jones would be would be the guy I'd want to see back there. On kick return, Corey, who would you like to see on kick return if you had the option? It it really depends on his injury. But Kenny Nolander is the guy who did a lot of it last year, and he was great. He has explosion out of the hole, and he can find creases. And if he's recovered enough by the U and I game, or at least even like partially through the season, I would love to see him go back to doing that because he was so good at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, maybe him and, I don't know, Lazard or somebody back there, you know, with him would be pretty cool. Uh, Ryan, it seemed like, did a pretty good job, uh, or they think mm-hmm. think could do a pretty good job. I think he might could do a pretty good job as a kick returner last year, so we'll figure that out. Yeah, I mean, he, he didn't uh, do bad. I, I, to me, when it comes to the punt returner, though, I want that guy who can hit that home run. Yeah. You know, they hit that crease, you give him that one little block, and then it's showtime. And that, to me, Jones is that guy who could bring that that excitement and that that long run ability to the team. Well, and it could be the, it could mean the difference in some games for them too. You know, if they Possibly. could flip the field potentially, it, it's kind of sad punt return. And I don't know if it's just a fear of injury or fear of turnovers or what, but a lot of teams, especially in this conference, have turned it into kind of a a safety thing. You know, well, we're just going to safety catch this ball and nothing else goes on. And you know, it's been a while since this league's had a ton of really good, great punt returners. Well, another thing is, is like you're you normally they're really, they're really talented wide receivers, but how they play ninety plays on offense. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's kind of like one of those things where they at some point they kind of get a blow here and there. And so I think that kind of plays into it too, because you can't put your talented wide receiver out there as much just because he's already playing you know seventy, eighty, ninety plays on offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and look at their uh, schedule. Uh, starting with Corey, do you see, you know, if you, as we look at their schedule, do you have that in front of you? I forgot to, I don't know if I told you to have that in I front do. of you for the show. Okay. Um, what are some of the uh, the trouble games you see for them, some trouble spots, some pothole p- potential games for them? The I'm really worried about Iowa, honestly. I don't know whether I should be. Well, you better but be careful. For a non-conference game, what was that? Mm-hmm. I said, you better be careful. You're going to have the Iowa State fans on you after that. So you're oh, I out. know. <laughs> I know, but, I mean, uh, rivalry games are a toss-up 24-7. It never ends. You never know which way it's going to go. And it is a name, so I'm calling them for a win, but I don't want anybody to get lax on it. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Other than that, honestly, there isn't anything in conference that I see that I'm worried about other than Baylor because it comes after the TCU-West Virginia-Oklahoma State stretch. Mm-hmm. And you go through three games and just get beat up and beat up and beat up by three of the top three by three of the top teams in the conference, and then you go to Baylor, and it, after that gauntlet, you never know what's going to happen. I called them to win it in my preseason prediction, but it's going to be a fight. 
that's the biggest game that I see that's a worry in conference for them. Kendall, what do you feel like, um, you know, he brought up the Baylor game. These two in even situations, maybe to talk about where things have gone for the two programs, how, how where do you put, if you're going to put these two on a neutral field in ideal situations, you know, what kind of game do you feel like we'd get out of Baylor and Iowa State? I, well, I mean, the, t- the toughest part about that is, is figuring out Baylor. Figuring out Baylor. I know. I mean, I, but I mean, I, it should be a good football game. I think I. It's one of those things where I'd still want to see Baylor play a little bit to kind of get a feel for exactly what their offense is going to be because mm-hmm. it, it's still they really haven't just divulged all the information of what they're going to be yet. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's the biggest unknown. I mean, but I to me, I th- Iowa State is going to give every team they play a run for their money. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not they have enough at the end of the you know going into the fourth quarter, you know, do they have enough athletes below them for you know backups and rolling them in there in and out? Do they have enough talent to do that? I don't know. Cause when you start playing like Oklahoma's and things like that, you it's it's more about your depth than necessarily your starters. So they have they have great starters at, at skill position stuff. So to me, you know they're they're they have they're going bowling this year. If I had if I had it, you know, to me that's a lock. I, I think they're good enough to get to at least six wins and, and be eligible. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's uh, to me that's the right step. That's the next the next next hump they have to get over is that. And I think it happens this year. Who if, is there somebody on the schedule, Kendall, that you feel like they upset if you had to pick one? To me, that Texas game just just screams upset, and it, and it's just because they're coming. They have a bye week, and then they have then they have Texas coming in playing in Ames on a Thursday, and you know damn good and well on Thursday night in Ames, crazy things happen. Mm-hmm. So if I had, I've pick, actually seen. Good. Nah, go ahead, Kendall. Oh. when you're done. Okay, yeah. Uh, to me, that's the game. Like, if I had a circle on the counter as an Iowa State fan that I'm really excited about, that's that game because I, I have a good feeling they very well come out of that game with a W. Yeah. Uh, Corey, you got an upset on your, your list that you feel like they definitely can do? I was definitely going to go with Texas. I chose it my preseason prediction. I'm going to keep saying it until it happens. And I'm not the only one either. Obviously, Kendall's seen it, and, I mean, not that it really matters, but – I saw K-Bear put out his prediction today, and he called for them to upset Texas, and that was his one big prediction. But a lot of people are setting it as a pothole game for Texas, and I would love nothing more than to see Texas come into Ames and just get hit in the mouth. Yeah, and and the thing, and Texas plays USC before the game. So yeah, that, that's yeah. They you could be talking about because Texas has some depth issues, which we addressed on their show. That you know, depending on how bad they get beat up in that game. Well, and and the, it's one of those things where going to Ames on Thursday week. night, man, and, and going to Ames on Thursday night, I'm, there's just something weird about that. And they go, I mean, it's just that place is rocking. Correct me if I'm wrong. That game's is that game in California this year? The yes, USC game. So they got to go yes, all the is. way out there, and then they got to come back in a short, yep. short week and go to Ames. They well, no, they have a bye. Yeah, they bye week. No, oh, they not a, a short week. There? They have oh, a bye week. Okay, okay, they have a bye before the Iowa State game. Okay, well, if that, it was a short week, I would have no problem picking that game. But yeah, that does help them. So, I didn't know that. I don't have a schedule in front of me. So yeah, I mean, to me, that's that's the one I would circle as like it could be a huge upset. Mm. And I'll tell you what, if that happens, if they if they were to somehow get out of that gate three and zero, and then roll into Texas and knock them off, you know, surprise them and knock them off, you, you, t- you talk a, you talk about a momentum, you talk about a momentum swing real quick. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, I I th- that that game right there is a is the big game that's going to be a springboard for them. If they win that, I think it could be. You know, a seven-win season or eight. Yeah. They, they, they do that. Crazy, but. They start out with four and zero after knocking off Texas. They're going to be getting close to being ranked at that point. I think they would be By ranked. The time you knock off Iowa and Texas, yeah. I think you are ranked. So, 
you know, that's some, you know, that's that's the potential that's out there in front of them for this year. Uh, is there any final thoughts you guys want to get to on the year, Corey? Starting with Corey, is there anything else you want to throw out there about this group or anything we need to watch for? I predicted them to go seven and four and then win their bowl game, mm-hmm. so, or seven and five, I believe, seven and five and win their bowl game to end up eight and five. That's a pretty brash prediction, but they have the talent. It's whether or not they can organize it and realize what they have. Yeah, and I'm. Super duper excited! It's what is it? Ten days from now to first game, and I am beyond pumped. Yeah, see what's going to be able to happen. Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm kind of thinking they they may surprise some people early on and get some people's attention after a few weeks. We'll see. Yeah. I don't know. People may just write it off as they're not playing anybody early. I, I'm, so. I'm. This sounds great, but I'm, I'm not with Corey. I, I'm picking about seven wins. Okay. You know, I mean, I, I, I see they're clearing six easy, seven game. To me, it's kind of a toss-up. But, I mean, they if they if they get on a roll and they get some momentum, I can see them getting to seven pretty easily. Yeah, apparently uh, Vegas has them at six and a half – or three and a half. So, uh, if you're a gambling person um, – Go you know, take that right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I would tell – I would go ahead and tell you to look I, into that. But. I would tell you anything below six, take them. Even if it's went up since we looked at it last, yeah. take it anyway. I, I, they're going bowling this year. Mm-hmm. They're, they're that talent. They're, they're talented enough to do it. Yeah. So we'll figure that out. Um, I guess if that's it, uh, Corey, real quickly, where can the people find you again? What handle do they need to follow to, to find you? The Big 12 Country account is Cyclones underscore B12C. Yep. Uh, is there anything else we need to do? News and notes, Colin, for the show account? Anything else we need to throw out there? I don't think so at this point. I can't think of anything new that we need to mention. No. We haven't had anybody new, really. Nope. Okay. All right. Um,. I guess that's it then. Uh, Guys, thank you for joining us for the Iowa State preview. Thank you a lot to Corey. We very much appreciate this. I know this was kind of short notice for you, so uh, thank you very much for doing that for us. And uh, we'll have you on. Thank you for bringing me. Yeah. Uh, We'll have you on, you know, throughout the year to talk a little bit about Iowa State. So uh, I guess if that's it, until next time, everybody say bye. Bye. Thanks, guys. See you.